This message is presented by Pastor Chuck Wilson. Okay, here we go. My name is Chuck Wilson from New Hope Community Church, and we're doing a biblical prophecy series, making sense of this crazy world. We already started out with Mark 13, Matthew 24, and now I'm moving into Daniel and then Revelation. I'm going to run through Daniel and Revelation. Well, trot through. We won't get through it too quickly. But today we're going to do the introduction, Daniel 1, 1 to 2. Daniel 1, 1 to 2. <clears throat> and... The reason I'm doing this is because, look what's going on. You have to be spiritually blind to miss all the prophetic signs, the, the birth pains, the contractions, increasing in frequency and intensity. God is doing something big. He's preparing us for the second coming of Jesus Christ. And we don't know when that's going to be, but we know it's getting closer and we can see these things happening. The coronavirus itself is a huge contraction. We've never had anything like this before that has paralyzed the entire world. Crazy, crazy. And the whole world's paralyzed, if not by the disease, by the fear of the disease, for sure. It's a, it's a pandemic of panic, for sure. I remember when 9-11 hit, I said, this is just a small birth pain compared to what's going to happen in the future, what's going to come, unless the USA repents, unless there's a revival in the church and a spiritual awakening in our country, which didn't happen yet. Uh, this is It's a small birth pain, and sure enough, we have a much bigger one this time around, these 20 years later, almost 20 years later. Israel, look what's happening in Israel. Israel is God's timepiece. It's, the, it's the, the thing we have to keep our eyes on. It continues to tick. We've seen Jerusalem is now recognized as the official capital of, of Israel thanks to <clears throat> thanks to the U.S. and our recognition and our president. Uh, this tiny Israel and the Middle, Middle East continues to dominate the world news. It's unbelievable. The European Union has been firmly established, which is a picture of the revived Roman Empire, which we saw prophetically in the Bible. Russia, which plays such a huge role in the Bible which we'll see in Revelation, is once again making news. It's dominating once again. The one world government has been talked about so openly now, especially to deal with this coronavirus crisis. We just need a temporary one world government to deal with this. Uh, it's all part of this. another big step forward in what's going on. There's a lot of momentum for a cashless society, which you've been watching, a one world currency, and also for everybody to receive some kind of a chip to monitor our temperatures to make sure we don't have the virus, right? And and also we know where how that's going to be used in order to buy and sell and somehow we're going to see 666. Keep your eyes open. Be very careful. Be discerning as we're going to see in Revelation we're called to be. There's also a one world church. A one world church is being lined up by the present day Pope. He's recognized as an apostate by both Roman Catholic, serious Roman Catholic believers, and uh, serious uh, evangelicals. And uh, both are there. One thing we agree on: those who are Bible-believing Roman Catholics and evangelicals, we agree that there's something not right with this Pope. We see the apostasy. That's one thing we agree together on. And the only ones who won't fit into this one-world church and this one-world system are those who are born-again Bible-believing. Christians, whether they're Catholic or Protestant, whether they're uh, Roman Catholic or Evangelical, the ones who are serious about their faith in Jesus Christ, we are the ones who won't fit in. And this this false, the ones who will fit in are the false worldly Christians. They will fit in, but we won't fit in. Only 6% of 
Americans have a biblical worldview. Only 6%. Those are the 6% that's not going to fit in. Matthew 24, 9 tells us what's going to happen. In Matthew 24, 9, it tells us that... <clears throat> Let me read that for you. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. We are going to be hated. The 6% are going to be hated by all nations, including the United States. We're going to be hated here. That includes the United States. We're already hated by much of the country. At least half the country hates us now. This coronavirus crisis has, has exposed that hate. They blame Christians for everything now. The, the, a lot of the media is blaming us for spreading the virus. They're blaming us, they're cracking down on churches and saying how bad churches are and you gotta keep them closed and arresting pastors. And I'm not trying to get in the middle of should they, should we, you know, should they be meeting and all that. You know, I'm not trying to take a side on that, but I'm just saying it's exposing that, the animosity. That's what I wanna say is there's an animosity being exposed. And they're also attacking us for trying to save babies. You know, they, 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 just the hypocrisy is unbelievable. Uh, you know, you have to, you have to, Christians aren't trying to be careful enough to save lives, which isn't true. They've done studies, and the studies show that the Christians are the most careful with, with following the regulations of the government with social distancing and quarantining. Christians are the most careful, actually. It's the people partying in New York that aren't being careful and the results that we're seeing. But the media paints us as the bad people. But they're, they're trying to say, you've got to save lives. And then when we try to save babies' lives, we're evil again. We're trying to save millions of babies from being killed. And, and we're evil again. We're attacked and attacked. But the real root, the real root is the, of, of persecution that's coming is the same thing that happened in Rome. Just as in Rome, they, they wouldn't worship the, the Caesar. They wouldn't bow down to Caesar. That's the real root that we won't go along with this one world religion and saying all the gods are the same. The real root of the hate is John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And those who are true Christians believe we are saved by faith alone in Christ alone. That's how we're saved. And they hate us because we say Jesus is the only way. We don't go along with worshiping all the gods as the same God because we know they're demons. All other gods besides Jehovah God and through his son Jesus Christ, they're, they're demonic counterfeits. Every one of them. And we know that. The Bible teaches that. And we, and we follow. And that's why there's this incredible hate. And that's why we see that there's people being murdered, all Christians being murdered all over the world, uh, being wiped out all over the world through jihad and, and many, many other ways. And the media doesn't touch it. They don't do anything with it. And I remember a number of years ago, I was talking to someone about this very thing, how how there's so many Christians being persecuted and killed and the media doesn't care. And this person, I, I'm not going to, this this woman said to me, well, they're just getting what they deserve. I'm saying, what we deserve? Yeah, if you kept your mouth shut, you wouldn't be persecuted and killed. We, we're not allowed to talk. We're not allowed to share our faith. We, we, we are not allowed to say Jesus is the only way to God. We're not allowed to do that. That's the animosity and the hate. That's the real basis of the hate for, for real Christians is that we know the, that Jesus is the only way. And we have to share that because we don't want people to die. We don't want people to suffer. We don't want people to spend eternity in hell. We don't want that. And so we share that out of our love for people. But that's construed by the, the enemy. 
the prince of this world as hate. That's how he's twisted it. Now, I'm going to say something shock, something that's going to shock many of you as we get into the prophecy part of here. We go into Daniel, Revelation. This is going to shock many of you. The USA is not mentioned in the Bible. Nowhere in the prophecy. We can find lots of other, we can find Russia, we can find lots of different uh, countries, the European Union, we can find it, it's all there. But the USA is not listed. Not only that, it's, there's not even a hint of it. We can't even say, well, maybe we're here, maybe we're there. We don't know if we're going to be conquered and neutralized by some kind of war or a bomb. We don't know if we're going to break up. This is very possible. Break up and so the United States of America will be the divided states of America. We don't know if that's going to happen. Or we don't even know if we'll be absorbed into the European Union somehow. We'll be part of the European Union. We don't know. But, but whatever the future holds, Daniel and Revelation is the key to being prepared for the spiritual battles that we're going to face. Now, we're going to really focus a lot on Revelation, but we have to do Daniel first because Daniel complements Revelation. It's vital to understand Daniel if you're going to understand Revelation. Both are amazing prophecies. The book of Daniel written about 2700 BC and the Bible written 2,000 years ago, uh, the, the, the prophecies of, of Revelation about 2,000 years ago. So 2,700 years ago, 2,000 years ago, but they're hand in glove and they have a lot to say for today. All these thousands of years later for today, we're seeing it fulfilled today. Daniel prepares us for life in the USA today. The book of Daniel does that. We're going to see many parallels. It also prepares us for end times, whenever that is, whether it's today, whether it's tomorrow, whether it's 100 years from now. It prepares us for the end times. It gets us ready. We may be living in the end times, and if that's the case, we have to be ready. Many of us will be called to die for our faith, as we'll see in Daniel and Revelation. Daniel is also a prophetic picture, a prophetic picture of what believers in every age must face. The world's hate, and God's faithful love. The world's hate and God's faithful love. And the USA is no exception. Put on your seatbelts. Here we go. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for your word and the peace that your word gives us. And knowing that we don't have to fear. Even though we're facing fearsome times, we don't have to fear. We know that you are in control. That you love us. You are in control. And in the end, we're going to win. We read the last book. You win and we win. And we're just so thankful that we know the end of the story. We pray that, that every person listening to this would have that peace. And if anybody here has, who's listening or watching has never put their faith in you and found that, that peace with you, Father, through your son Jesus, that this would be the day. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let's pick it up. Uh, before, before I read the first couple of verses, I want to do a quick biblical world history. I want to kind of lay the foundation to where we come up to Daniel here. Kind of like a run through the Bible. Uh, real quick Bible run through. You've heard walk through the Bible. So this is going to be a run through the Bible. Starts out with creation. God creates Adam and Eve. They sin. They fall away. Mankind, because of that, becomes depraved. And at the root of all the depravity is idolatry. Worshipping other gods, just like today, worshipping other gods, which involves sexual sin and child sacrifice. Both things are intricately linked together in, in any kind of worship of idol, which we know idols are just demons. The Bible teaches they're just demons. 
Uh, then God sends the flood and saves Noah out of, out of that worldwide flood. But he saves Noah. He sends the flood to wipe out evil mankind. Noah's preserved and his family. But over time, they turn away from the one true God. Not they, but their descendants turn away from the one true God. At, at one time, everybody worshipped the one true God. L-E-L. You see that all throughout the, the, the you know, the worship early on, and then in time it, it morphed into L this and L that. It started to morph. We also see the sacrifice of lambs all throughout the uh, the world in, in the different religions because that was still there from the worship of the one true God. But the whole world went into the idols and depravity again. They lost the, the truth. So God calls Abraham. God calls Abraham to be his chosen people, to reveal himself to. Uh, he, he calls Abraham to be a missionary, Old Testament missions, to be a missionary to the rest of the world, and also to bring the Messiah through the seed of Abraham. Not just to be a witness to the one true God, but to bring the, his son, the Messiah, through them. Genesis 12, 3, I will bless those who bless you. And it will curse whoever, uh, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples of the wor- earth will be blessed through you. They're gonna, and we're all blessed through Abraham and his seed because we're blessed with the Messiah. The Messiah comes through Abraham. So we have Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and they're once again the witness, the Old Testament witness, and then, uh, Joseph, Joseph is taken to Egypt, or the rest of the, the, the patriarchs, taken to Egypt where they end up in slavery for uh, 400 years. And that's once again a type of being in slavery to sin. God brings Moses and the law to begin the, the freedom process. Exodus 19, 5 and 6. In Exodus 19, 5 and 6 it says, Although the whole earth, although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests, and a holy nation. So God calls the Jewish people as a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Uh, Moses, the law, they wander in the wilderness. Moses cannot take them into the promised land because the law cannot save us. Along comes Joshua. The word Joshua means God saves. It's the same exact word as Jesus. That's the Greek form of Joshua, which is Hebrew. Uh, Joshua takes him to the promised land. Joshua is a picture of Jesus. He did what the law and Moses could not do, could not save them. Then uh, later on, we have King the kings, the time of the kings, King David. David is a, a, a picture of the Messiah, but he also brings the Messiah through David, a son of David. Uh, the, the land of Israel though falls into idolatry just like the rest of the world. They're wicked. God disciplines them. He divides the kingdom north and south. He sends judgment. He sends captivity. Assyria takes the north. Babylon takes the south. Uh, God refines them in their captivity. In Babylon, he refines them. He brings out a holy remnant. Seventy years they're in captivity because they had ignored seventy Sabbath years, uh, every seven years was supposed to be a Sabbath. They ignored it seven, 70 times, those, that seventh year of Sabbath. So he kept them in captivity for 70 years, 605 to 536 BC. But then Cyrus and, uh, the king of Persia comes along and he lets Nebuchadnezzar, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, Nehemiah and Ezra go back. Nehemiah rebuilds the walls of Jerusalem. Ezra rebuilds the temple. And, and and when they go back, there's no more idols. 
There's no more idols. They have been prepared for the coming of the Messiah. They have been prepared for that. And there's this huge messianic expectation that builds all the way until the time of Jesus Christ. And all that to say Daniel, Daniel is a prophet in Babylon. The entire 70 years that they're there, he is a prophet in Babylon. He is God's spokesman. Daniel means God is my judge. God is my judge. That's what it means. And there's two main themes. Two main things. Keep these in mind. Number one, God is in control. Number two, God protects his faithful people. God is in control of our lives, of our nation, of our world. Nothing can happen without God's permission and purpose allowed. Even though it seems crazy at times, God is in control. Whether we're in New Hope, wherever you live, or in Iraq, which we're going to talk about Iraq in a little bit, God also protects his faithful. Nothing can touch us. Remember I talked about this and with the coronavirus? Nothing can touch us without God's permission, without God's purpose. We can, we get, that's why we can choose to live by faith instead of fear. We are in God's hands. We're in his hands. And we're to be a witness no matter what touches us. Whatever happens to us, we can be a witness when they see how we handle uh, how we handle the, the challenges and the, the trials that everybody else is disintegrating. We go through them with faith and with peace because of our relationship with Jesus Christ. So God is in control and God protects his, his faithful ones. And the question we ha- we ask so often is when when bad things happen, is God still in control? Is he still in control? God's answer is this book, the book of Daniel. The book of Daniel. Okay? Uh, Daniel 1. Daniel 1, verse 1. Here we go. Daniel 1, verse 1. In the third year of the reign of King Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hands, along with some of the articles from the temple of God, these he carried off to the temple of his God in, Babel, in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. So we see that Nebuchadnezzar takes Jerusalem. He thinks he's conquered it. But who, who really gave it to him? God did. God was in control. God prophesied this would happen and he made it happen. And this is God doing it. It was prophesied many times because God is in control. Habakkuk, back when Habakkuk was really upset because there was so much wickedness in Jerusalem and so much in Judah, he said, God, it's not fair. Why are you letting all these wicked people get away with this stuff here in Judah and Jerusalem? And what, why does it seem like evil is winning? And in Habakkuk 1, 5, and 6, we see God's answer. In Habakkuk 1, 5, and 6, this is what God says. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed for I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told I am raising up the Babylonians that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize the dwelling places not their own. He says, I'm going to bring, you're right, there's a lot of wickedness in Judah. I'm bringing the Babylonians to take care of that. And 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 then Habakkuk was like, that's not fair either. They're even worse than we are. He goes, yeah, but God often uses even more wicked, more wicked tools to punish his his people's wickedness. And then we're going to see later on, Babylonia, Babylon is going to get it too. The Babylonians are going to get it even worse. God's going to take care of them too, but he uses them to judge and discipline the Israelites. And, and it's a process as he's taking it. First, he besieges it. They surrender in 605. He sets up a puppet king. 
597, they rebel again. And finally, Nebuchadnezzar has had enough. He comes in in 586. He completely smashes Jerusalem and Judah. And there's a warning here for the USA today. There's a warning for us. If we keep ignoring God's words and we keep ignoring his laws and we keep ignoring his warnings, we see the terrorism, 9-11. We see the fires. We see the droughts. We see disease now. What's coming next? We keep ignoring we keep ignoring God's warnings, same as they did, and finally they got smashed. And we got we, the church at least had better take this to heart. Nebuchadnezzar takes the gold articles to his the temple of his god in Babylon. Babylon in Hebrew, the Hebrew is Shinar. It's a place of hostility to God historically, and it was a place of hostility to God. It, it represented the worldview. To, uh, the anti-God worldview and the philosophy, it was established by wicked Nimrod. Nimrod established it. It's where the Tower of Babel was built in arrogant hostility toward God. This is Babylon. Babylon is in modern day Iraq. That's why I mentioned Iraq a little bit earlier, which has been in, front, been in the front and center of so many world events and the United States events going on, same thing. And he took the, he took the gold out of the temple. That's like taking somebody's trophies or a high school mascot, stealing it. It expressed victory over that nation and God. See, by taking the gold from God's temple, he said, I beat you, Israel, and I beat your God, Jehovah. God, but God allowed this. He didn't get away. He didn't beat anybody. God allowed this. He warned them and he allowed it. He called, uh, Nebuchadnezzar to come and do this, to, uh, to discipline them. He allowed this humiliation of his name for their discipline. The same today, our sin and consequences reflect on God, but he's still in control. Wait till we get to chapter 5. They're going to come back to haunt Babylon. By, by, he's going to get it extra, extra bad. Nebuchadnezzar also took some people. Daniel 1 verse 3. We're going to look more about into this next time. Then the king ordered uh, Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring in some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. And he, he, he takes them off. He carries them off really as hostages. Nebuchadnezzar's intent is their hostages. This will make the king and his nobles behave because, hey, I got your kids. God's purpose, though, is that was his purpose, but God's purpose is to refine a holy remnant for the return. He's purifying this over these 70 years, a holy remnant to bring them back as, as a holy remnant for the return to the land. And he's, he's going to try to de-ice them, de-idolize them. And that's exactly what happened. He said, you like idols, Israel? Well, I'm going to put you in the center of worldwide idolatry. It was one of the most wicked, idolatrous nations in, in the ancient world. It was completely wicked, but but what it did is it made them hate the idolatry. It made them hate the world. They came back. It worked. The discipline worked. They came back and they never worshipped idols again. That's what God was doing by sticking them in the middle of Babylon, this remnant that came back hating idols. Reminds me of what happened on the farm. We Every once in a while we would have a dog that liked to kill chickens. Now, the dogs on our farm were great, uh, but they had jobs to do. They had to, you know, bring the cows in and they had to protect, you know, the livestock from other dogs and other things. And they were watchdogs and they were a lot of fun. We loved our dogs. But, but every once in a while we would get one that would like to 
kill other animals, especially chickens. They would just find these chickens too, uh, too tempting. And they would go and kill a chicken. And my mom would see a dog with a chicken and say, uh-uh, we gotta nip this one out the bud. We gotta stop this right away. So you know what she did? She would take that chicken and tie it to the dog's collar and tie it to its neck. And she left that dead chicken tied to the dog for like a week. And at the end of the week, she'd come and take that rotting chicken off the, the dog's collar. And guess what? That dog never wanted to see another chicken ever again. He'd had a rotting chicken hanging on his neck for a week. He hated chickens. Everywhere he went, there was a chicken. And he didn't want to kill any more chickens. Uh, that, that solved the problem. And that's exactly what happened with the people from Judah that God taught them by putting them in Babylon. They hated idolatry. They never did it again. It, 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 they, they, they were done with, with the chickens. Uh, and so, and they were done with the idols. That's what happened with the Israelites. They were done with the idols. And God was preparing these people to come back. He was preparing them to come back and hate idolatry. He was preparing them to come back and prepare for the Messiah, His Son Jesus Christ, and be ready because the idolatry is gone. There was just the temple and the pure temple and the pure worship and they were ready for the Messiah Jesus to come again. And this is a, once again, getting rid of the idols in, in their life is a prophetic picture for the USA today, for the church, and for our lives. And the USA judgment has already started. 9-11 was just a blip compared to what is coming. Unless there's a revival and a spiritual awakening, God puts it off. But right now, it looks like it was just a blip unless there's a true revival. Because according to God's word, we are seeing judgment on this country. We are seeing the judgment for the sexual sin and the abortions that are going on. A lot of people say, oh, we got to stop the sexual sin. We got to stop. And I'm talking about heterosexual and homosexual sin. We got to stop that because God's going to judge us. Or we got to stop the sacrifice of children because God's going to judge us. No, no, no. These things are God's judgment. He, you see the, the, what the word teaches is when God has sent these things, it's already his judgment. It's already here. It's already here. And you, you want to ignore my words? You're going to live with the consequences. You're rejecting God. You're rejecting His protections. That's what we're seeing happen in the USA today. Jehoiakim. Jehoiakim was left by Nebuchadnezzar as a puppet to, to uh, still be king over Jerusalem, but he rebelled. And Jeremiah warned him. He said, uh-uh, this, is, this, this discipline is from God. Don't rebel against Nebuchadnezzar because he is God's tool for refining us. But he did not listen to Jeremiah. He threw Jeremiah into prison. And then, so God still spoke to Jeremiah to warn him again and warn the people again. And he and Jeremiah gave the words to Baruch to write him down. And then he said, go read him in the temple, which is what he did. Baruch was reading in the temple. The king, Jehoiakim, sends for Baruch, says, come, come here, I want to hear this. And as Baruch reads Jeremiah's prophetic words, he takes it and he cuts up the scroll line by line as he reads it and he throws it in the fire. He rejects what God was doing. And we see the same thing happening in the USA today. So many reject God's word. No, I'm going to live this way. I'm going to follow this idol. I don't need Jesus. I'm going to find my own God. I'm going to build my own bear. You know, build my own God. 
And, and we see the same thing happening in the USA today. We see the same thing happening in the church in America today. The so-called church of Jesus Christ. The, the, these, these churches that, best word I can think of is these non-biblical apostate churches that, that, that are emptying out. They're hemorrhaging. They're disappearing because they've rejected God's word. We're seeing the same thing happen with them. They, they, it doesn't matter what God's word says. They're going to teach it their way. They don't care what it says. And, and even many evangelical churches that are preaching so carefully. It's not that they, it's not what they say, it's what they don't say. They leave out anything in God's Word that might offend somebody or upset somebody. They're functional false teachers and they're producing false disciples of Jesus Christ. We see that all over the place. The church in America is like Judah was at that time. It's captive to idols. It's captive to the world. They're producing People who think they're followers of Jesus Christ, but they're not. They're, they're, they have a, they don't have a biblical worldview. Only 6% of Americans have a biblical worldview. When half claim they're born again, do the math. That's 44% that, that, uh, they don't have a biblical worldview. They're, they, they've been inoculated to the gospel. They're, they're not, if they're really Christians, they're carnal, worldly Christians. They think like the world. They have the same attitudes and the same beliefs as the world. Uh, they've been hypnotized. Hypnotized. I remember on the farm, uh, I remember my brother Billy came up with a, a really funny thing he found that worked. He said, Chuck, come here, let me show you something. And he got me and I think some of the other siblings, he goes, watch, I learned how to hypnotize a chicken. Now, there were no video games back then, and we didn't, didn't, we were getting bored on the farm, so we had to come up with our own fun. So he says, watch how I hypnotize this chicken. And he, and he showed me, he lay a chicken down on the ground, and he put, he lay it there and hold it, and he put his finger right by its eyeball, real slow, and then he pulled it away. Then he put it down again. Then he pulled it away. And after he did this for a little bit, all of a sudden he let go of the chicken, the chicken just laid there. It was hypnotized. It was just laying there. And I said, oh, that's cool. Let me do it. And I grabbed a chicken. He grabbed another one. We started hypnotizing chickens. And pretty soon, we have all these chickens laying on the, out on the driveway all over the place near the chicken coop laying on the side. I said, oh, I got a great idea, but keep hypnotizing them. I'll be right back. And I went in the house and I said, Mom, Mom, come quick, come quick. The dogs just killed all the chickens. They killed all your chickens, Mom. My mom goes, what? You know, she got grabbed the broom. She was running out. She was a crazy woman when you messed with her chickens. Uh, and she comes running out with a stick or something, a broomstick. She comes running out ready to bash some dogs. And, and she comes running out. Oh, my chickens, my chickens are everywhere. And she comes running through them looking for the dogs, yelling. And, and as she comes through, all of a sudden, Chicken picks up his head, shakes its head, jumps up, walks away. Boom, 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 boom. They all start standing up, walking away. My mom didn't know what happened. Billy and I were, ha, 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 we got you, mom. We got you, mom. We hypnotized your chickens. Yeah, oh, she was going to use the broomstick on us after that. Uh, and I was telling that story one time, and Bob Noble from our church, he's also uh, grew up on a farm in, in Hershey. He was in Hershey. He was in one of these homes for his, he lost his father. So he was with his brothers. It was one of these homes in Hershey for uh, the, the, the boys who had lost their fathers. He was living there for a little, for a while, and it was a farm. 
And he was telling me what they did on that farm. He, he came up with an even better way because this took a long time, hypnotizing, hypnotizing. He said he came up with a lot better way. What they did is he, he said they stuck the chicken's head under its wing. They, you know, the chicken's head's kind of <laughs> spin. And they stick it under the wing. And then he said they'd spin it around, spin it around, spin it around and lay it down again. And the chicken would just lay there with its head under the wing kind of like hypnotized. Wouldn't move at all. And then he said they took beet juice and they poured the beet juice on the neck so it looked like somebody cut the head off. And then they ran in the house and they told their, their group mother, their house mother, somebody cut the chicken's heads off, cut the chickens off. She came running out freaking out and, the, and then all, you know, all of a sudden the chickens popped their heads out and then they'll come back alive. Ichabod Crane, the, the headless chicken horseman, he'll come popping out and they'll, oh, she was mad at them too. That's why I like Bob so much. He's my big buddy because we, we think alike. We thought alike as kids. Anyway, uh, that, that's what has happened to so many Christians. We've been hypnotized by the world. We've lost our heads. We've lost our heads but from, from the world. It's happened to so many. But God is going to refine His church. We're going to see in Daniel and Revelation, God is going to refine His church. He's going to prepare us for the second coming. Just like the, the, the uh, Israel was prepared for the first coming by getting rid of the idols, God is going to prepare us for the second coming by getting rid of the idols in our life. He's going to prepare us. There's not going to be a 6% you know, worldview. It's going to, everybody who's going to be left at the end is going to have 100%. Uh, and He's going to prepare us. He's going to use persecution. Book of Revelation, whoo, Daniel 2. But it, we, we see this in First Peter. In First Peter 4, 16 and 17, that's what it's already started all over the world. He says, however, verse 16, however, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with the family of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? It's time for judgment to begin with the family of God. It's time to wake us up. It's time to, to reach us. It's time to do that. And that's what, and when this happens, when the persecution really kicks in like it is all over the world, it's going to finally come here. It's on its way. We're seeing a lot of it already. When it finally does happen, remember this. Remember the purpose of it. Kids, a lot of you kids, just young, just like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were when they were taken. Remember this, that God is in control. The faithful are in His hands. Our life and death is in His hands. We, there's a purpose for what we are going through. How is God disciplining us personally? He's getting us ready for this time. How is he preparing us? What what in our lives needs disciplining? Just like the country, just like Judah, just like the USA today, we can as individuals can do the same thing, fall for idols. We we can we think we can live the way we want to live or we ignore conviction or our hearts become callous. So God disciplines us in love. He disciplines us in love. The grace is always there. And so many in our church, New Hope Community Church, but all whoever's listening, so many New Hope Community Church and beyond, we, we see what God has done in our lives or in different people's lives. The testimonies that we hear constantly, what God has done, this very thing. We God disciplines us in love. He sends difficult times into our our lives on purpose to grow us spiritually and to prepare us spiritually and to break the idols in our life. Look what the coronavirus has done. It's taken away so many things. I pray to God that when this, if and when this ends, that we will not, we won't go back to our old lives. We'll have a different priority and a whole new renewed purpose. 
a renewed purpose, a spiritual purpose, God's purpose, God's priority. I hope that happens. And if, and if, and if you are out there and you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, how is God trying to reach you? What is He, how is He taking things away or, or refining you, breaking, pruning you? Cutting garbage out to try to bring you to your knees into the cross of Jesus Christ. Had you come to him and put your faith in Jesus. That's the purpose. He's bringing us to our knees and to the cross. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Have you ever believed in Jesus? Put your faith in Jesus. Let's pray. How is God speaking to us right now as you're hearing this or watching this? How is God speaking to us? Have you ever put your faith in Jesus? Is God bringing you to your knees, bringing you to the cross of Jesus Christ, convicting you, bringing you to a place of salvation by putting your faith in Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Have you ever come to Jesus and believed in him? It's not an intellectual, it's a heart belief. It's a deep belief. The word in Greek means to completely trust in and cling to, to put your complete faith in. Has you Have you ever taken that step of faith? God, I believe Jesus died for my sin, for everything wrong I've ever done, for all the rebellion in my life, everything I've broken in your law and in your word, I believe Jesus died for me to pay for that. He took my place. He was my substitute. The perfect Son of God died for me on that cross and He came back to life to prove He was your Son and to prove that I can have a brand new life. I repent. I repent of that old life. I repent of my sin. I put my faith in Jesus. I give my life to Him. I give my life to you, God. If we've, for those of us who have already put our faith in Jesus, how is God speaking to us? How is He speaking to us? We put our faith in God, but there's still idols and there's still refining and there's still preparation that has to happen in our life before Jesus can come again. How is the Holy Spirit speaking to us about breaking those things? How is He even using the coronavirus, this crazy time, to prepare us, to get us back on track, to refocus us? How is He working in our life? Will we surrender to His purpose? Will we surrender to that? Father, I pray that you would work in our lives and as we go through this book of Daniel, that you would just move us to a whole new depth in preparing us for the coming of your son, Jesus. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. See you next time when we move on in chapter 1 of Daniel.